I read from Mark 8, verses 27 through 38. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and after three days rise again. He said all this quiet, quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at the disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will save it. For what if it profit them to gain the whole world and faith forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. A number of times when I have gone to the local Walmart, I've been approached by a person with a clipboard. They want my opinion on some issue. Pardon me, sir. Do you have a few minutes to take a short survey? It's always short, you know. About the rainforest? I usually politely decline. The old methods of data collection seem cumbersome and intrusive. Marketers know this, which is why the technology boom has been a godsend to them. Although which God sent it, I don't know. In these high-tech world, companies and pollsters will still get information from us and about us, whether we want them to or not. Let's say you head to the local grocery store to buy a certain brand of canned peaches. You purchase it at a discount. 
using that free card you signed up four years ago with the promise that you get points or something. The next week, you get a coupon mailed to you for the brand of peaches and other canned fruit and for several other products that seem to be related. The grocery store knows what you like without ever having to tell anyone. Let's say you browse online for images of Doc Martens, web sandals, or Ugg boots. Before you know it, your email box is full of ads for Doc Martens, shoes, and Ugg boots. Now I have a little story about Ugg boots. College girls a few years ago wore them almost every day. I don't know if they still do or not. But when we were in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, our church was across the street from the university. And when it got fall, you would see girls wearing coats, shorts, and Ugg boots. And I told a teenager in our church, she was wearing Ugg boots with, June, with jeans. I told her she was out of costume. She didn't have shorts on. You will continue to receive these ads until you browse for something else. And then you will get ads for that item. When we moved to Lafayette in January, we stayed at Holiday Inns because they would let us keep our cat. Well, for a price. Now, I'm still getting emails from Holiday Inn. When Jesus took his disciples to Caesarea Philippi, he gave them a couple of poll questions. But in this case, it's not so much designed to gather information as an opportunity to define the brand of discipleship he was looking for from them, and therefore by extension from us. Jesus knew his disciples better than they knew themselves. And he knew that their preference for the kind of Messiah they were looking for needed refining and redefining. They are in Gentile country near the cave of Pan, which many people believed was the one of the entrances to Hades. It was there that Jesus began to turn his disciples from their needs and wants toward the way of the cross. And this was a tough sell. He asks, what's the buzz about Jesus? As they were walking, Jesus suddenly gave them the first survey question. What's the word on the street about me? Who do people say that I am? As they traveled through the villages of Judea and Galilee, they collected data. They heard the buzz. They felt the pulse of the crowd. The crowd had a variety of opinions and just enough data to begin forming a profile of this leader and teacher from Galilee. One significant data point seemed to dominate the survey. The crowd believed that Jesus was a prophet in the mold of John the Baptist, Elijah, 
or one of the other prophets who dominated Israel's history. This was a radical interpretation of data, but it wasn't quite radical enough. To the crowd, Jesus was a throwback to an earlier age. And perhaps like John the Baptist and Elijah, he was in the model of a forerunner to the real Messiah to come. But their view of Jesus is rather near sighted. They were seeing him through the lens of a personal bias toward what they imagined the prophet and Messiah might really look like. It's no coincidence that in the story immediately preceding this one, Jesus heals a blind man who at first sees people with partial vision. To him, they looked like trees walking around. It took the application of Jesus' healing hands in order for the blind man to see things clearly and in perspective. The crowd too needed a similar correction of vision to understand the information about Jesus' truly uh, true identity. Then Peter has a response to the survey. Jesus asked his disciples to follow up question. Who do you say I am? Then Peter, always an eager guy, who today would be the first to participate in an online survey, gives his opinion without hesitation. You are the Messiah. Other versions add the Christ, the Son of the living God. That seems like the right answer. Mark has already told us in the very first verse of his gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now Christ in Greek is the translation of the Hebrew word for Messiah. So it seems that Peter has caught on, but like the crowd, his own bias gets in the way of understanding what the title actually means. There is still great potential for misunderstanding until all the data is in. And that is probably the reason Jesus sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. So, Jesus clarifies his mission. Jesus himself begins filling in the data. He gives the first of three predictions about his death. He tells his disciples that he will be rejected, undergo suffering, and be killed. But then he will rise again after three days. Mark says he said this quite openly and gave the information as clearly as possible. However, this piece of information doesn't fit Peter's profile of the Messiah. He took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. You shouldn't say that. My opinions, many opinions about the Messiah's role were in circulation. Messiah wannabes had popped up before Jesus 
and would continue to do so afterward. The common thread of the data around the Messiah was he would be a descendant of David and restore Israel to self-government. This is also why the crowd saw Jesus as a prophet and not a Messiah. He wasn't acting like someone who wanted to rumble with Rome. Therefore, his poll numbers did not indicate he was a good candidate for Messiahship. But Peter did see some potential. After all, one who could feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish and then walk on water had to have the ability to be the kind of Messiah that could kick out the Romans. But now Jesus was talking about rejection, suffering, and death. How can you be a Messiah if you're dead? That kind of data made no sense to Peter. But it made perfect sense to Jesus who understood the bigger picture of where things were going. Jesus rebuked Peter with stern words. Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine but on human things. Now, what's our opinion to Jesus' survey? In Peter's rebuke, Jesus recognized the temptation to be the kind of Messiah that would attract strong polling numbers. That is the kind of Messiah Satan himself had already tempted Jesus to become. But Jesus was moving in a different direction, one in which few want to go. We may, not, may, we may want to opt out as well. It's not about comfort, it's about the cross. He said in verse 34, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. It's a life of doing what's right and hard rather than wrong and easy. Following Jesus is not trendy and cool. And if it ever is, we've got the wrong Jesus. It's following Jesus in a life lived on behalf of others. Those are the divine things Jesus wants his disciples to focus on. Not the human things of popularity, prosperity, and power. Marketers prey on the fact that we want things for ourselves and will always prefer things that match our own best interests. Jesus calls us to check a different box, the box that says we save our lives by losing them and real profit only comes from giving our lives over to Jesus. Those who are ashamed of him, his words and his way, will feel the real sting of shame in the end. It's easy in the 21st century 
as disciples of Jesus to want to tailor our message and our methods to fit the market trends. We'd like to be popular, trendy, and have a lot of people following us. We are tempted like Peter to answer Jesus' question by making him into a Messiah that fits our profile. But Jesus won't have it. There's only one real answer to his question. Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, and he calls us to follow him even to the cross. It's not just about information, it's about imitation. Who do you say that he is? Your answer really matters. Amen.